I do believe he lies virtually every time he opens his mouth. Give me an example. <laughs> we only have an hour-long show. Give me an example. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. Amongst other fine affiliates across this great land of ours, including down in Houston at KPFT, we also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, Journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of our little daily ditty that we call the Bradcast. Hi, Desi Doyen. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Uh, As we go to air, and as Donald Trump keeps doubling and tripling down and quadrupling down, with his idiocy and false, fake, doctored, weak-old maps about the possibility that some wind from Hurricane Dorian might have reached Alabama at some point in time, uh, with maps that were already old and outdated, created more than a week before the storm actually approached the U.S., maps that were... Uh, outdated by the time that he proclaimed that Alabama would, quote, most likely be hit much harder than anticipated. It wasn't hit at all. Uh, While he's still doing that today, the storm is actually slamming into South Carolina and North Carolina with uh, hundreds of people said to be uh, trapped in their homes currently amid rising rainwaters and storm surge. And as news is emerging that the death toll in the devastated Bahamas is likely to be far higher than the current 30 officially declared. In fact, that number could rise to the hundreds or maybe more than a thousand in the days ahead as uh, the Bahamas are facing just utter devastation on a number of islands. Nonetheless, Donald Trump is still, you know, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on his stupid lie, his stupid mistake about Alabama. so weirdly fixated on it. It's it's very bizarre, and it's getting very troubling, more so than usual. Yeah, more so than usual. All right. 
Well, instead of focusing on the nation's attention on the dangers and the, you know, still unfolding tragedies and disasters, as usual, this president is worried about his own tragic standing, I guess, among the public, a public which already knows him to be an unprecedented liar in our Oval Office, but a public, depending on which one you look at, for example, his base of Republicans, that doesn't really seem to care much that he is a liar, uh, and as we have, or, or that as we've long described him, uh, as a national emergency for this nation. The President of the United States is a national emergency. I mean, his behavior during this ongoing disaster, this actual emergency, underscores that that concern once again, along with the need to remove him by hook or crook as soon as possible from office. But, of course, um, that this is a danger that we have long known about. Uh, Desi Doyen, you mentioned, I think it was in our latest Green News report, that uh, Trump had announced just days before the storm slammed into the Bahamas uh, and now into the United States that he had moved, was it $150 million from FEMA? $155 million from FEMA's Disaster Relief Fund and the U.S. Coast Guard. Well, we won't be needing that, I guess. Uh, moving it from there to his border project to build his wall. $150 million as a, uh, uh, a hurricane is coming ashore. So even with that storm still actually striking the U.S. this week, the administration also announced that they would be stealing $3.6 billion for miles of border wall construction from various military projects, including a number of projects to rebuild military bases that were severely damaged in previous hurricanes. And at least one military base, by the way, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, that is currently, even as we're, we go to air here, currently being battered by Dorian after being battered just last year. I think it was by, uh, Hurricane Florence, Correct. as I recall. Less than a year ago. Uh, so some of this $3.6 billion that he's stealing was set to reconstruct structures on that base which, uh, as the Marine Times describes today, uh, still have blue tarps on a number of the structures. Hundreds. Blue tar- hundreds. Hundreds on of the buildings, roofs. yes. That's what they have for roofs, uh, as they are again being battered today, and yet Donald Trump is taking their money to replace those blue tarps with, you know, actual roofs. The money is being taken from the military projects under the premise that building his wall is a national emergency. That even as actual national emergencies are playing out as we speak. As The Hill reports, hurricane ravaged bases in Florida, North Carolina and Puerto Rico are among military sites that will lose funds because of the Trump administration's decision to redirect three point six billion dollars from military construction projects to a wall on the Mexican border. The Pentagon this week announced the specific cuts that will take place because of the redirection of funds, though the Pentagon cast the changes as delaying projects, not ending them. In other words, the military is trying to say that these projects will be moving forward anyway. They'll just have to wait for Congress to reallocate the money for these projects after Trump stole it to build his wall. That after Congress refused 
to actually fund that wall, which then led Trump to declare a national emergency to allow him to steal this money from elsewhere, in this case from the military, in order to build the wall. But the money is is, is not stolen from the military trying to rebuild its bases after being slammed by hurricanes. It's just being borrowed. They're not stealing it. They're just borrowing it for a while until Congress allocates another $3.6 billion to, as they call it, backfill the current pilfered projects. A senior uh, defense official told reporters at the Pentagon, quote, we've got an emergency on the southwest border that we need to address. All of these projects are important, but, you know, an emergency on the southwest border. Never mind the previous emergencies at all of these military bases. Never mind the actual ongoing emergency on the U.S. East Coast, including hitting Camp Lejeune. They've got a pretend emergency on the southern border. Of course, where you know one could justifiably declare an emergency at these some of these detention camps that the administration is using to hold families and, and children in intolerable conditions. Uh, that's an actual emergency, humanitarian crisis, in fact. But that is not the emergency that the Pentagon is referring to. They're go- they're going along with Trump's lie that we have this wave. Uh, or as Trump calls it, an invasion of immigrants coming over our border that precipitates stealing money from the military in order to stop this invasion with a wall somehow, somewhere. A wall, by the way, which even if it worked... Which it doesn't. Which it doesn't, would only end up pushing more immigrants to actual checkpoints where they would declare that they're seeking asylum and would thus be put into the already overcrowded concentration camps on the border where there is an actual emergency. Uh, The uh, Pentagon spokespeople said they will work with Congress to replenish or backfill funding to finish the projects, but admitted that such a move was not guaranteed. Uh, They said, we are very focused right now on working with Congress to get the backfill that we need. If there's anything that progress, uh, that if there's things that progress that don't work out, we'll adjust and we'll plan as we need to. In other words, they'll just take the money from somewhere else because, believe me, the Pentagon has plenty of money. (laughs) That's true. Um, But for these projects where they were specifically earmarked, that money for now is gone. A total of 127 military construction projects are now put on hold because of this uh, decision, half of which are overseas, half of which are planned U.S. projects. The list released uh, a day after Defense Secretary Mark Esper formally approved the decision to divert billions away from the construction plans to pay for 175 miles of barrier on the U.S.-Mexico border includes projects across 23 states, 19 countries, and three territories. Um, But let's focus on the ones that are uh, in the U.S. for the moment. Impacted at Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida is a $17 million crash rescue station project. Two projects worth a combined $41 million at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina will also be quote-unquote deferred, along with 10 projects worth more than $400 million across five Puerto Rico bases. 
So Tyndall in Florida, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, and the Puerto Rico bases were all devastated in hurricanes in the past two years. They are still rebuilding billions of dollars worth of damage that Donald Trump has just stolen from them. And by the way, that's not just money that would be used to rebuild those bases, but that's money that goes into those areas, into North Carolina, into Florida, and most importantly, $400 million into Puerto Rico that goes into the economy. The in local economy. Exactly. And creates local jobs. The uh, Pentagon official said that the, that, uh, the Pentagon has uh, finished notifying lawmakers, and here's the interesting part, uh, finishing uh, no- notifying lawmakers of the specific projects in their districts that will be ransacked, as The Hill described it, to free up the billions of dollars, as well as the governments of the countries that, uh, that house these U.S. bases abroad. But the list here in the country includes projects in states represented by Republican senators, senators who voted in support of Trump's emergency declaration and senators who are up for re-election next year. So the money that would have gone into their local economies for their local bases ain't going there now. This includes Tom Tillis in North Carolina. His state has three projects on the list worth a combined $80 million. Senator Martha McSally in Arizona, who is in a very tough race with, uh, with the Democrat Mark Kelly next year. Martha McSally law, uh, was appointed to that seat after John McCain died. She lost her election last year to the Democrat in Arizona for Senate. Uh, and if she loses next year, she would be, I think, the first uh, Republican Se- uh, Republican in history to lose two House, uh, two Senate seats <laughs> to a, a Democrat in yep. a row uh, in Arizona. Uh, she, she has lost thirty million dollars for a project at Fort Huachuca. Uh, Huachuca. Thank you, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. His state had planned a nearly sixty-three million dollar middle school at Fort Campbell. Sorry, kids. Your uh, middle school will have to wait. You're going to have to enjoy that overcrowding just a little bit longer. Cory Gardner of Colorado, one of, uh, I think, the most endangered Senate Republican. Uh, There was an $8 million project at Peterson Air Force Base that has been lost. And Lindsey Graham, whose, uh, whose state had planned a fire station replacement for $11 million. That is gone for now. One more, John Cornyn in Texas. His state had two projects worth $48 million that will now be deferred. And so those uh, jobs that might have been created with $48 million in the local economy, that too is gone. All six lawmakers, again, are up for re-election in 2020, and all of them supported gutting the projects in their own states so that Trump could build his wall. So I'm hoping voters will hold all six lawmakers accountable for undermining national security and undermining the military itself. I am not holding my breath. Those who support Donald Trump, uh, voters, elected officials, those in the right wing media are amazingly tolerant of his lies, of his crimes and yes, even his theft from the military, from the troops. And they will come up with virtually any excuse for this man. Uh, For example, House Armed Services Committee ranking member Mac Thornberry of Texas, whose 
um, who approved, uh, who's, who, you know, who approved these military projects in the House Armed Services Committee, and now they will be on hold for him in Texas. He said in a statement, quote, we continue to face a very real crisis at the southern border. I regret that the president has been forced to divert funding from our troops to address this crisis. So the hell with the troops. Republicans used to pretend to love, pretend to support. Their lying criminal president comes first now along with their imaginary, very real crisis at the southern border, I guess. But these Republicans have now become, frankly, the equivalent of Stepford Wives to this president. Uh, I wasn't going to play this uh, on the show, uh, but a few days ago I, I tweeted this out. It's a quite stunning video, frankly, of Republican presidential candidate Joe Walsh, a former Tea Party congressman. He now claims to be reformed after his years of playing along with the wingnut madness. Um he recently wrote an op-ed in the New York Times apologizing for that, apologizing for his years of behavior as he announced his intention to primary Donald Trump uh, because he thinks he's a huge liar and a danger to our country. So good for Joe Walsh for coming around. He was invited on Stuart Varney's show on the Fox News Business Channel and frankly, the result was bone chilling. And one of the reasons I was not going to play it, I had tweeted it out, but I, I didn't know, you know, well, a couple of reasons. A, there was more important news we needed to share over the past few days, but also because you can't really appreciate it in full without seeing it. Uh, Des, you saw it, right? You yes. saw the, the look on Stuart Varney's face is kind of chilling. This expressionless face. This mask. Yeah. That uh, during this interaction with Walsh, as he tries to defend Donald Trump by claiming that Donald Trump does not lie, does not lie about anything. Now, when I, I when I tweeted this out, I, I described Varney as uh, Stepford Stuart Varney because it seemed appropriate. Well, both Joe Walsh uh, retweeted uh, my tweet on this and even uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband. What? Yes. Hey, George Conway. Wow. He retweeted my tweet on this, <laughs> uh, so it, which appears to have touched a nerve. So, uh, you know what? Maybe it is worth playing after all here on the show. B by the way, this was before this week's insane days-long Hurricane Dorian lie regarding Alabama by Donald Trump. Uh, so this is before all this, but Varney had Walsh on to basically to try to do what Fox News does, you know, to undermine anyone who might be a threat to the president in hopes of challenging uh, uh, Walsh uh, as he runs for the GOP nomination against Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, with the premise that Trump is, in fact, an unapologetic sociopathic liar and a menacing danger to the nation. Here's here's part of that interview. Let me explain, and then you can jump in and disagree. I do believe we've never had a situation like this where we have a president who we fundamentally can't believe. I do believe he lies virtually every time he opens his mouth. Give me an example. I believe, Stuart, I'll give you an example just from yesterday, and even his staff, Stuart, admitted that he lied this week when he said there were high-level phone calls between the United States and China. 
Trump said that repeatedly. His staff came out yesterday and admittedly admitted that the president of the United States lied to the world no, to not. manipulate the markets. No, I have a problem not. with that. They did. That's not a lie. Let's not get technical. That's not a lie. No, it's not a lie. If the man says, it, and he did, that high-level talks had been held with China, that is not a lie. They were held with China. Stewart, he said there were high-level phone calls with Chinese officials. His staff admitted that was not true, that he lied in order to manipulate the market. Okay, give me another Period. one. Give me another one. That, it, that doesn't he work. He said that his... He, <laughs> hey, Stewart, really, you don't believe that that's a lie? No, I don't. You don't. And I really object to you saying to me, and you know it is, Stuart. I do not know it Stuart, is. And please do don't you bring believe, me to your nonsense. Stuart, do you believe this president lies? No. <laughs> you don't believe he's ever lied? He exaggerates and spins. <laughs> okay, do you believe he's ever told the American people a lie? No. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he doesn't even know what to say. What do you say to that? Where do you go with that? I know. Uh, no, he no, he has never told a lie to the American people. Are you serious, Stuart Varney of Fox News? Uh, and you notice how he changed uh, what Trump had said—that he had received uh, calls from top-level officials—and Stuart mm -hmm. said, "Well, no, he said he had been having high-level talks with China." No, that's not what he said. He said something completely different. He spun it for him. Uh, or at least tried to. And anyway, it's it's just chilling when you look at it and you see this blank look on his face, on Stuart Varney's face. And then you realize that there is an entire, two entire networks, because he's on Fox Business, right. that is also dedicated to covering yep. up the President Trump's lies, yep. and Fox News, which is not only dedicated to covering up Trump's lies, but inventing new ones for him to tell and spreading them everywhere so that his GOP base does not hear what's actually going on. And mind you... Donald Trump is now busy attacking Fox News because they are not Trumpy enough. Because you they're know, not sycophantic enough. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. So anyway, this is apparently the mindset at Fox News, and therefore among the people, the zombies who watch Fox News. The man, you know, it would be one thing if they said, "Yeah, he lies," and I love it. I love it when he lies. I love it when he sticks it to the to, to the, the libs, right? But no, they think. He's telling the truth. Now, as I noted when I tweeted out that video, um, I can't, I you know, can't disagree more with Walsh's politics, Joe Walsh's politics. There, uh, I don't know if I agree with him on anything politically in that sense, uh, uh, policy-wise. But I believe, frankly, that what he is doing now in taking on this president is courageous. It is commendable. And I, frankly, I have much respect for what he is doing and his willingness to tell the truth amidst a truthless GOP. I think what he's doing right now is very important. Um, so anyway, should I invite him on the show, Des? <laughs> I don't know if that would do any good to anybody, but really? maybe. I don't know. I think it might. I don't know if it would or would. Let me know what you think. You can uh, drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com if you have any thoughts on, on whether I should have him on the show. And if I do, what should I ask him about? Uh, anyway, Varney uh, tried to call Walsh out for his very in the rest of the clip there uh, for his various repugnant racial attacks on others over the years that Walsh has made. For example, he was an Obama birther. 
but Walsh, you know, has admitted he was wrong and he has apologized and he is trying to make amends for his various lies and his various obnoxious statements over the years. And he's uh, frankly doing so in an impossible way, in an impossible situation, trying to take on the president of the United States uh, for the nomination the 2020 nomination among these, you know, zombie Stepford supporters like the uh, near entirety of Fox News and all of the brain dead Stepford base voters that Trump is counting on next year. Um, so I don't know. I think he, he uh, deserves credit for that. Uh, and even among the Republican Party itself, which is now in the process of rigging the election to help make sure, I'm talking about the primary election, to help make sure that folks like uh, Joe Walsh and former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, who is also running against Donald Trump for the nomination, to make sure that those two or anybody else will not stand a chance of unseating Donald Trump for that nomination. Four states are now poised, according to Politico today, to cancel their 2020 GOP presidential primaries and caucuses, which would cut off oxygen to Trump's long shot primary challengers. Republican parties in South Carolina, Nevada, Arizona and Kansas are expected to finalize cancellations uh, in meetings this weekend, according to three GOP officials familiar with the plans, which is too bad because in at least three of those four states, Nevada, Arizona and Kansas, I could see Trump easily losing to either a Joe Walsh or a Bill Weld. So, you know, no wonder they, they need to rig their own primary on Donald Trump's behalf to make sure that he somehow wins. The moves are the latest illustration of Trump's takeover of the entire Republican Party apparatus, writes Alex Eisenstadt at Politico today. They underscore the extent to which his allies are determined to snuff out any potential nuisance en route to his renomination or even to deny Republican critics a platform to embarrass him. I guess it goes without saying there probably won't be any debates on the Republican side. That would be my guess. Because Donald Trump is a coward. <laughs> and the GOP is happy to let him go forward with that. Uh, former Congressman Joe Walsh, of a Republican of Arizona, is quoted in the Politico story saying Trump and his allies in the Republican National Committee are doing whatever they can to eliminate primaries in certain states and make it very difficult for primary challengers to get on the ballot in a number of states. He says that is wrong. The RNC should be ashamed of itself, and I think it does show that Trump is afraid of a serious primary challenge because he knows his support is very soft. Primary elections, he says, are important. Competition within parties is good, and we intend to be on the ballot in every single state, no matter what the RNC and Trump allies try to do, said Walsh. Uh, though it's unclear how he will do that if there is no ballot to actually be on. Uh, he says, we also intend to loudly call out this undemocratic bull on a regular basis. Well, good for him. He should. And by the way, I would have no problem saying the very same thing if it were an incumbent Democratic president encouraging his party to cancel primary elections, as has happened at various times in the past. Uh, though not to my knowledge, uh, when there have been, you know, actual serious contenders who actually could win the nomination. If voters are allowed to vote, I know I'd vote for I might even consider voting for I'd have to in California. I think I'd have to join the Republican Party 
to 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 vote in that primary. Yeah, different states have different rules about who is allowed to vote in partisan primaries. But uh, but maybe I will. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, because Weldon Walsh could win in various places if they're actually on the ballot and there's a legitimate election or caucus. Uh, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, for his part, said in a statement, quote, we don't elect presidents by acclamation in America. Are you sure? Donald Trump is doing his best to make the Republican Party his own personal club. Republicans deserve better, he said. At this point, uh, that last uh, sentence there is highly debatable. Republicans are getting exactly what they deserve, exactly what they asked for. These uh, cancellations of these four primaries and caucuses stem after months of reported uh, behind-the-scenes maneuvering by the Trump campaign. Politico says aides have worked to ensure total control of the party machinery, installing staunch loyalists at state parties, eliminating potential detractors. The aim uh, is to smooth the path to the president's renomination and ensure he does not face the kind of internal opposition that hampered former President George H.W. Bush in his failed 1992 election re-election campaign. Trump aides have long said they are not worried about a primary challenge. They laughed off his uh, Republican challengers, uh, but their actions, as usual, suggest otherwise. Uh, they have poured over past primary results, and they are mindful that unexpected things can transpire. For example, in 2012, a federal inmate received 41 percent of the vote against Barack Obama during his renomination primary in the West Virginia Democratic primary. So he wasn't afraid, but Donald Trump. He's a coward. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're back with some more 2020 news on both the uh, horse race and the track conditions today, I guess, uh, on both the Republican and Democratic side, as we are wont here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Voters may be asking that question next year in California, maybe next week in uh, in North Carolina. I'll get to the California story in a moment, but we're keeping our eyes on the two U.S. House special elections set for this coming Tuesday in North Carolina, which is currently being battered by Hurricane Dorian. Uh, one of the two districts where the elections are being held on Tuesday, the third congressional district where the uh, this, the election to fill the seat left vacant following the death of Republican Congressman Walter Jones earlier this year. The third congressional district runs along the entirety of the North Carolina coast, which is getting hammered at this hour by Hurricane Dorian. 
Now, early voting in the days leading up to that election on Tuesday has been curtailed several days over this past week in parts of that district where the threat has been the worst, which just happened to be the more Democratic parts of the district. That is also true in the 9th Congressional District special U.S. House election, where the state is running a do-over election on Tuesday after that massive Republican absentee ballot election fraud scandal last November that prevented a winner from ever being officially certified in the state. The seat has been vacant ever since. The two North Carolina seats are the only currently vacant seats in the U.S. House. So elections for them both, long-awaited elections, will be on Tuesday, maybe. Uh, To make up for the closed early voting hours uh, in uh, recent days here, the state election director today announced that she is adding new early voting hours over the weekend before the election in the parts of the district where voting had been shut down. North Carolina elections expert Bill Busa, who was on the show a few days ago, tells me that he believes the accommodation being made by the state is, quote, not a perfect solution, but it is a good solution. He told me that via email today, uh, imperfect, but generally fair, uh, though it wouldn't have been, he said, if they had also extended early voting hours over the weekend in the more Republican leaning areas that were not shut down throughout the past week. So. Uh, They seem to be doing a good job of trying to make up for things if they can actually get these places open for early voting over the weekend. We'll see what goes on with Hurricane Dorian. The question is, uh, really, will the damage be bad enough, particularly in NC03, that the Tuesday election will need to be postponed entirely for a while? And if so, will they also postpone the 9th Congressional District race again as well. I personally worry that if they don't cancel both of them, if they only cancel the 3rd District, that people in uh, in the 9th District may hear that the elections have been canceled. You know, if they only cancel the 3rd District, they oh, the elections are canceled uh, or postponed or whatever, and that they won't show up in that Tuesday election where the Democrat there, Dan McCready, is said to have a good chance of defeating the hard-right Republican Dan Bishop in the Dan versus Dan election in North Carolina. So we'll be watching to see if that election actually happens on Tuesday. Now, if you think a Dan versus Dan election in the middle of Hurricane Dorian might be confusing to voters, Try this one out for size from out here in California. Congressman Raul Ruiz of California's 36th Uh, U.S. House District, Uh, he wrested his inland district from a Republican back in 2012 and, according to Politico, has coasted to double-digit victories for the past two elections. However, a new Republican challenger to Raul Ruiz could create some unusual trouble for the incumbent Democrat. The Republican challenger is a guy by the name of Raul Ruiz. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, boy. He has the exact same name. Now, if Republicans wanted to recruit someone with immediate name identification, says Politico, it doesn't get any better than uh, than, than this for them. In one corner, they write, we have Congressman Raul Ruiz, 47-year-old doctor who has solidified his grip on his seat over the better part of a decade in Congress. 
In the years since winning office, he's carved out a left-of-center path. He supports uh, party tenants like Obamacare, but he is against progressive banner issues like single-payer health care. On the other hand, you have Republican hopeful Raul Ruiz, who is 57 years old. He's a construction contractor who is using his campaign website to attack, uh, well, quote, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the radical liberals who want to use handouts to keep people dependent on the government. He said, I want to give the citizens another option. That, according to the GOP Ruiz in an interview with Politico, obviously... Uh, it's going to create some confusion, he said, to whose benefit or regret, I don't know, he added, of the identical names. While the incumbent Ruiz has formerly faced challenges from Republicans, uh, the Republican Ruiz is a political neophyte. Uh, he says uh, what he lacks in experience, however, he, he in political experience, he makes up for in life experience. He'll, he says, I'll say this, I had the name first. Which well, is he true. is correct about that. He's 57. He's 10, he's 10 years 40, older, right? sure. Um, so uh, we'll see. It could be very interesting what happens out here in that race. Uh, Ruiz, the Democrat, also comes from an incumbent's position of strength. His campaign committee had about $2 million stashed away as of late June. Uh, Democrats retain a seven-point registration edge right now in his district. The uh, Dem advantage there is unlikely... Um, it makes it unlikely that the nomenclature redundancy will swing the ultimate outcome, according to Mindy Romero uh, of the University of, uh, of USC. Uh, but uh, Romero said the uh, second Ruiz's presence should have the effect of forcing the incumbent Ruiz to work harder in order to educate voters about which one that he actually is. Yeah, well, I mean, and he will have to work hard no matter what. But yes, it's disappointing to see that there is uh, some mischief perhaps going on. Do you on. think that's mischief? You well, don't no, think I'm it's thinking a coincidence? It's on purpose, but I don't think this guy just came out of nowhere and decided, hey, I decide I'm going to run this time because I happen to have the same name. I'm sure that they're enjoying the fact that there is the potential for voter confusion. Well, and it has not been the first time that actually something like this has happened. Uh, as Politico points out, and as uh, got me digging down and researching, because uh, this is actually very interesting. So uh, this has happened before, in including in the last cycle. Uh, there were two candidates named Ron Estes in, uh, in Kansas. In that case, however, it was a GOP primary, which you will be happy to know. Ron Estes ended up winning. <laughs> it was actually the incumbent Congressman Ron Estes uh, in that case who defeated Ron M. Estes on the ballot. In that case, he had a different uh, middle initial, uh, which uh, Congressman Estes stood for. The M stands for misleading, according to the congressman. <laughs> Uh, in uh, 2001, voters in the California city of Southgate which has had, uh, boy, uh, years of slimy, corrupt elections, uh, Southgate. Uh, they had to choose whether they wanted to be represented in 2001 on the city council by either Hector De La Torre or Hector De La Torre. Yes, the exact same name. 
which got me digging down into the L.A. Times from two February of 2001 for this March 2001 local election. Uh, they reported the first two candidates listed on the ballot for two city council seats are both named Hector De La Torre. No middle initials. On top of that, the Times wrote they have similar sounding designations. One candidate is described as a councillor, the other as a council member, because he was mm. the incumbent one. Uh, in hopes of reducing the confusion, the Times wrote at the time, Southgate ballots will contain the following notice. Quote, warning, there are two candidates for this office with identical names. So this apparently happens more often than you would think. Often enough that there's a protocol. Now, in 2001, Councilman De La Torre uh, said the ballot confusion was no accident. He charged, like you did in this uh, other California race, he charged that the uh, his political enemies had encouraged the other De La Torre, who was a political unknown, right. to run for office in order to create confusion and scuttle the councilman's candidacy. Well, to be honest, I don't put it past well, Republicans to do such a thing. In this case, you shouldn't. The councilman said, it's clear to me that this stuff is being done behind closed doors, but the other De La Torre, the challenger, had rejected the charges, saying that he entered the race on his own because he wants to help uh, keep young people out of gangs. This was back in 2001. Uh, however, the challenger conceded that he is not actually a counselor as he was written on the ballot at the time and that he has never worked as a counselor in fact he says he is a foreman at a printing business in los angeles he said he described himself on his nomination papers as a counselor slash foreman because his friends and family members often seek his counsel that's now the and and apparently someone fell for it and that's how he got on there uh, as a counselor the slash foreman part the Southgate City Clerk's Office removed that designation from the ballot when another candidate questioned whether the challenger really was a foreman <laughs> so even that both De La Torres uh, the Times wrote back in 2001 could win because they are among 10 candidates vying for two at-large council seats. So both of them could have been elected. As it turns out, uh, and it was not easy for me to find the actual results of this local February March 2001 election in Southgate, California, but I finally did. Uh, and guess who won? Hector De La Torre. Correct! <laughs> How did you know? Uh, in fact, it was the incumbent Hector De La Torres who won with 25% uh, of the vote, with Raul Morial uh, uh, garnering 24% of the vote. The not-counselor and not-foreman Hector De La Torre ended up getting just 4% of the vote in the crowded field. So, am I an election geek or what? Yeah, you're what a nerd. You're about as nerdy as we can get. Sorry on that. about that. Uh, in other U.S. Uh, House news, for 20 years later, here in 2020, uh, things continue to devolve for the Republican Party as their incumbents uh, continue to flee like rats from a sinking ship for some odd reason. Uh, this week, Congressman Bill Flores of Texas announced that he will not seek re-election in 2020. That makes him the fifth Texas Republican to announce he's getting the hell out. 
He said, serving my country as the representative of the hardworking uh, Texas families in the 17th Congressional District has been an honor, one of the greatest privileges of my life, he said in a statement, on his way out the door. He said, when I originally announced that I was running for Congress in 2009, I was firm in my commitment that I would run for six or fewer terms. Because, you know, he, I guess, believes in term limits. I will not run more than 12 years as U.S. House member. He said, after much prayer over the past few days and following conversations with my wife, Gina, during that time, I've decided that my current term will be my last, adding, see you, suckers. He didn't actually add that last part. I, okay. I added that last part. Uh, according to the Cook Political political. Political report, uh, Flores' district, the 17th, leans Republican, voted for Donald Trump by about 55 percent of the vote. Uh, and he, uh, Flores, follows in the footsteps of fellow Texans, uh, and it's getting hard to keep track, uh, Congressman uh, Kenny Marchant, Will Hurd, Pete Olson, and K. Michael Conaway are all getting the hell out while the getting is good. That was Wednesday. That happened later that same day, just hours after Flores announced he would not seek re-election. Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner did the same thing in a statement on Wednesday. The lawmaker, who is currently the second longest serving member of the House, uh, Sensenbrenner said that it was time to call it quits. He said in a statement, when I began my public service in 1968, I said I would know when it was time to step back. Uh, he mentioned he was elected uh, back then to the Wisconsin State Legislature. He says, after careful consideration, I have determined at the completion of this term, my 21st term in Congress, it will be that time. Adding... See you, suckers. He didn't say that. He didn't either. say that either. No. Uh, Sensenbrenner, uh, he's the second Wisconsin Republican and the 13th House GOP to call it quits uh, heading into the 2020 election. As Politico noted, uh, the longtime lawmaker has never won less than 60 percent of the vote in a very Republican district that encompasses Milwaukee, Wisconsin and surrounding areas. Now, I've come to have some respect, I should note for Sensenbrenner over the years, some, because he really did work hard as chair of the House Judiciary Committee as a Republican to get the Voting Rights Act expanded and extended for 25 years under George W. Bush. And he was none too happy about it when the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, gutted the act in 2013. E though even then, uh, he was unwilling to come on this show to talk about it with me, which I thought would have been a good bipartisan sort of way to demonstrate the horrible, dangerous ruling that was handed down by the Supreme Court. Uh, but Sensenbrenner declined. It he, Perhaps he was, you know, reticent because, as I told his office when I invited him out of an abundance of fairness and transparency, I uh, let them know that I had slammed the hell out of Sensenbrenner about a decade earlier at Bradblog.com back in 2005 when, and it's still one of the most popular stories we ever broke at the blog, I think, um, we posted the video uh, that is now gone, unfortunately, so I can't play the audio, but when he freaked out at a hearing that he was chairing on Patriot Act violations under George W. Bush that had been called uh, by Democrats, even though Republicans were in the minority. The Dems used a special maneuver to get this thing 
this hearing to happen, but Sensenbrenner gaveled the hearings to a close in the middle of the hearings, in the middle of a witness speaking, turned off the microphones, turned out the, the lights in the hearing room. It was like nothing anybody had ever seen. Do you remember when this ha- happened? Oh, totally. Uh, it was shocking. It, it was, was stunning. Shocking. And it was huge news. It was huge news at the time. So I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't accept my Olive Branch uh, peace offering to you know, support his effort to save the Voting Rights Act that his party ultimately abandoned completely. Uh, but for which I still have some respect for Sense of Brenner. But again, you can write and complain to me. I am Bradcast at Bradblog.com. Uh, but I have some respect for him, despite his earlier uh, wing nuttery as chair of the Judiciary Committee, uh, willing to allow all kinds of abuses of the Patriot Act for his team at the time under George W. Bush. Anyway, uh, after more than 40 years in Congress, even he has had enough under Donald J. Trump. And while the number of House Republican retirements uh, appears to be escalating in recent weeks, the majority of the exits are still in reliably red districts. So don't get too excited, Democrats. Nonetheless, the pace of GOP exits here is higher than it was at this time before the 2018 midterm elections when Republicans got absolutely swamped in a blue wave. So signs may not be too encouraging for the GOP in 2020, which is just one of the reasons that the rats are running for the exits. All right, uh, let's take a quick break here and come back with a musical finish for a change. We haven't had one in a while. From Randy Rainbow, uh, because, you know, we could all use a a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down our pants. (laughs) That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com slash donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. I'll tell you. What's the buzz? Tell me what's I'll tell you what's happening. What's Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That, of course, from Jesus Christ Superstar We've got a different version of that coming from Randy Rainbow momentarily. But one more quick item, uh, 2020-related item here. Former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz today emerged with a lengthy statement uh, announcing this after he had largely dropped out of the public eye in recent months, declaring once and for all that he is ruling out an independent bid for president. 
He said not enough people today are willing to consider backing an independent candidate because they fear doing so might lead to re-electing a uniquely dangerous incumbent president. Well, yeah, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? That was kind of what people were trying to say, Howard. He said there is considerable concern that four more years of a Trump administration pose a graver threat to our democracy than four more years of political dysfunction. Correct again. Not that the dysfunction would have been any less had Howard Schultz, former CEO of Starbucks, somehow won the election as an independent, which he would not have, but he would have siphoned off a fair number of voters that might otherwise have voted for the Democratic nominee next year, whoever that's going to be, and potentially handed the election to uh, who Randy Rainbow describes as Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. Schultz uh, also cited the increasing polarity of the political discourse, the logistics of the nomination process, and his back pain. He's got back pain. Uh, As additional reasons, he opted out of the bid. Perhaps that's from sitting in those outdoor Starbucks seats, which are very uncomfortable. The, uh, he said, the money I was prepared to commit to a presidential campaign will instead be used to invest in people, organizations, and ideas that promote honesty, civility, and results in our politics, and that move the country beyond two-party gridlock, the billionaire added. Uh, he said, common sense policies and initiatives that can help address widening inequality at home while strengthening America's standing in the world will be a priority. Well... Don't let the uh, door hit you where the good Lord split you there, Howard Schultz. <laughs> I would just like to say yes. Thank you. Exactly, Howard Schultz. Thank you for getting out. And speaking of the good Lord, Randy Rainbow has a few thoughts on Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. Well, it is a special day indeed, as I am joined now by the divine Miss T, our Lord and Savior, King of the Jews. <laughs> uh, am I leaving anything out? Brilliant, great. Don't push it. (laughs) Donald Trump, you have had a busy few days. Uh, G7 meetings, ongoing trade wars with China, bedbugs. Fake news. Let's see, you also sent out a controversial tweet saying that you are the king of Israel and uh, told a group of reporters that you are the chosen one. How you doing? You okay? (laughs) The news about me is largely phony. Mr. Not My President, You're acting quite bizarre Ruling like a loon behind your Twitter avatar Of all your recent antics This latest one's a pearl Now it seems you think you're God Okay, whatever girl Your crazy's on full display Wish you'd just go away Take a vacay, hun I hear that Greenland's nice this time of year Dreaming of walls while the stock market falls And now you're shaming the Jews You say you're the chosen one And I know what you mean Chosen by the Russian Kremlin in 2016 When will this maniacal messiah come? Complex pass. I hereby order you to get your head out of your ass. <laughs> and just keep selling us lies and attacking allies. Go on, you king of fake news. It's fake news. It's disgusting fake news. Uh, I read a front page story in the Washington Post. You're making no sense, b- 
Why are you still talking? It's making me nauseous. Everything you say is bullshit. Yes, everything's lies. I don't think anybody's done more than me. Close your mouth, close your mouth, <laughs> and delete all your socials tonight. The president has said he is the king of the Jews, the second coming of God, the chosen one. He's not really interested in helping mankind. When it comes to Bible study, he's way behind. He can't walk on water or give sight to the blind But he can change a falsehood to a fact with his mind When they crucify him in the news he starts stripping And he kinda speaks in tongues when his denture starts slipping Cheeto Christ, Cheeto Christ He's like if Jesus were pumpkin spice <laughs> Cheeto Christ, stupid czar Tangerine colored commissar. Wow! He prefers profanity to biblical psalms. But he can stop a hurricane with nuclear bombs. Ooh. He's praised by his disciples, though they've all been misled. And somehow he brought Mitch McConnell back from the dead. Ew. He golfs on Sunday, so at church he's not in attendance. And he makes 25 seem like the Christmas of amendments. He calls himself the second coming, I would've done. But according to these porn stars, he could not even once. Don't you get it wrong? Don't you get it wrong? Don't you get it wrong? Give him what he wants now. Don't get it wrong. Cheeto Christ, Cheeto Christ. He's like if Jesus were pumpkin spice Cheeto Christ, stupid czar That tangerine colored I think I'm doing a great job Don't you get it wrong Christ, Don't you get it wrong Christ, Let me hear you sing now Don't get it wrong Christ, stupid czar Who in the hell do you think you are? God, clearly <laughs> <laughs> I do think that maybe Randy uh, Rainbow's masterwork at Possibly this point. Possibly the best one yet. Thank you very much, Randy. Uh, and thank you very much, Desi. And thank all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. I hope we made it just a little bit better for you, as opposed to what we usually do, making it considerably worse. <laughs> Uh, if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That, of course, is thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to support what Desi and I, me, we try to do for you every day over your public airwaves. And we really do both appreciate and need your help. bradblog.com slash donate. If you please, you can also drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you again. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Cheeto Christ, Cheeto Christ. He's like if Jesus were pumpkin spice. Cheeto Christ, stupid czar.